pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you, God. We praise you for who you are. We praise you for how much you love us. Desperately love us. Father, give us capacity in our hearts to give you everything. To give you everything in our hearts. Father, take my mouth and do what you want. I give you my will. I give you my feet, my hands, my eyes, my ears. I give you every piece of me to do with what you want. I just ask that it's you and not me. In Jesus' name, amen. Boy, this morning's been a struggle for me. And I don't even mean worship, because worship always gives clarity. In this case, I would have rather it not. Because he's, he's given me a tough word today. I don't even know how to give it. I do want to share with you, though, some of the struggles that I've had this week and this morning and leading up to today was how I can be a help. And this is the conversation that I have with the Lord. Because what he shows me is so different than where we are right now. And I don't mean in our hearts, I mean circumstantially. I tend to live 5, 10, 15, 20 years into the future. Because that's, that's where he has me and that's the things he shows me. And I try to understand God. <laughs> what in the world? How, how can I even begin to describe this? How can we apply it to today? How will they even understand? Because some of the things that He tells me barely make sense to me. So I was kind of all over the place last night and this morning. He's had me in the book of Zechariah for a long time. So many of the Old Testament minor prophets, there, there is something about what God's doing that is bringing to fruition again, except in the bride, what he has done cyclically in Israel. And 
sometimes that's really hard to grasp. You know, it took me to Zechariah, I think it was chapter 4, it's 4 or 5. Um, because he had given me this vision, and, and it, was, it was a vision that was given in chapter 4, and explained, at least partway, <laughs> in chapter 4, that Zechariah had this vision. And, and it was a vision of really what would become the vindication of Israel, and what will become even future vindication of Israel. But he had told me that this was a vision of the bride today and what he is doing with his remnant and what he is doing beginning with ignition and what he is doing. See, if you know anything about Zechariah, you, you understand and you know that it was, it was uh, the, the beginning of the building of the second temple. It was during the, the time of Ezra. And see, what he has showed me is that this isn't about his temple being rebuilt in Israel. This is about a temple being built in the hearts of his bride. And see, if you understand anything about the temple, there is a purity in building that temple. There is a very specific course of action in building that temple. It's not just, hey, you can build, you can, you can put blocks together. Hey, come on, let, let's, let's do this. No, it was very specific. It was very specific in the architecture. It was very specific in the plans. It was very specific in prayer over every block that went on top of each other. It was very specific as to what happened in that temple. The dedication of that temple. And see, in the book of Zechariah, what it led to was the vindication of Israel, both religiously and politically. That's also a forerunner of what's going to happen with Israel. In the thousand year reign of Christ, Christ will be the high priest. He will also be the king. He will have ultimate priesthood and ultimate kingship over all of politics. And that's global. And I've told you before, we're, we're going to have, we're going to have that cycle manifest in the bride because it's the very thing that will make Israel jealous. So he's taken me through all these things. And, and, and one thing that, uh, that's always tough for me is when he quote-unquote goes silent. You ever, you ever lived through, of course you have. If, if you go after God at all, you'll live through these times. And I don't mean silent to where he doesn't talk to you. He talks to you all the time. He talks to me all the time. I'm talking about where he answers questions. You ever ask him a question and he, he, just, he just doesn't tell you? Or he's silent or, or sometimes he'll say, no, I can't tell you that right now. That's what I mean by a time of silence. 
And it's in those times when, when we think in our mind, well, well, I really need this so I can, and, and I can only share me. I, I really need this, Lord, because I've got to share this with people so they can understand where things are at and, and understand the importance of what's going on. And, and, and because, because Satan's in here and he's fighting, he's trying to pull away. By the way, as we've said before, Deborah's not fighting for herself. Do you know what she takes on is fighting for every one of you? And Lord told me this morning what that was. It's a spirit of complacency. It's a spirit of only being able to see spiritually what's in front of your face. And that's what he wants to fight against. But that also takes us to a difficult word. I want you to turn to Judges. We've talked about this many times before. Judges chapter 7. I just want to read. I want to keep reading. Until God stops me. Then Jerabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give to the Midianites into their hand. Lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. There were 32,000 to begin with. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And any one of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And any one of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set him by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. Now, to explain what this looks like, the difference is getting down on your knees and hands and just sucking up the water versus kneeling down and bringing the water. When it says lap like a dog, it's drinking it out of a hand. Okay, but their their eyes are on the horizon. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to... Oh, I just said that, didn't I? And the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. And let all the others go every man to his home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets, and he sent 
all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. We'll stop there. If you know the rest of the story, Gideon became concerned that he only had 300 against this Midian army. And the Lord knew he was concerned, and the Lord said, no, here, I'll show you what I'm about to do. You know, go down and you'll hear this dream be explained by one of them. And and when you hear this, you're going to know that it's me. And that's exactly what happened. And there was a confidence that shot into Gideon's heart, knowing that the Lord was behind it. See, the doubt wasn't that the Lord could do it. The doubt in Gideon's heart was, would the Lord do it? See, does that resonate with us? We know the Lord can do it. He can do anything. But see, it doesn't take much faith to believe that he can. He created us. He created everything. In fact, it takes almost no faith to believe that. Well, of course God can do that. Can God heal Doug? Of course God can heal Doug. Can God heal Carson? Of course God can heal Carson. He will heal Carson. See, there's a difference between staying, stating that God can and that God will. Because when you say he will, you inject a faith into that. See, that faith came to Gideon when God proved to him in his heart that his words were about this situation and they were true to him. That, In other words, Gideon was getting it right. See, there wasn't any part of Gideon thinking, well, is God true or is God not true? It wasn't about that. It was about this ethereal connection between man and God that is not in the physical. In that connection, you have to figure out, am I getting the airwaves right? That's why God doesn't hold it against us sometimes when we have to prove Him out. In fact, He says with spirits and prophecy to always prove it out. Because there is an enemy that gets into those airwaves that if we're not careful, we can listen to instead. And to me, the most devastating enemy that we have seen is complacency. Complacency is something where God fits into what we're doing instead of God being what we're doing. Do you see what I'm saying? See, God can't come behind your career. God cannot come behind your schooling. God cannot come behind your relationships. God cannot come behind your needs. He has to come before all those. And, and I, I know it's easy to say, well, okay, yeah, I, you get that. Yeah, you live God. 
You know, you're, you kind of, your job is God. You, you make your money because of the church and everything else. So, so that's easy for you. Let me tell you something, guys. It's no easier for me than it is for you. See, I had a business that God told me to close down. That was the prerequisite to me getting clarity of his voice. See, I understood what it meant to control my own life. I understood what it meant to place my own needs first and then see how God fit into that category. And see, it's at that time when things creep in, and it doesn't mean it's a bad heart. I've been in ministry for 30 years. I've loved God my whole life. It's just, it's easy to let creep in this idea of priority and control. And the tough word that he's given me this morning is we're going to get smaller before we get bigger. That's hard for me. That's hard for me. Because we're already small. See, but this is too many. This is too many for God to do what he wants to do. Because there's a purity of heart that has to be there. Has to be there. This isn't me saying this. I wrestled with God over this. But just like Gideon, And those fighting the Midianites, it has to be God's way. So I don't even have much for you this morning. In fact, worship team, you could plan. We're going to worship a little bit more. But I implore you. I implore you. God has to be number one. Has to be above your parents. Has to be above your spouse. Has to be above your work has to be above everything that is in your life. Don't manage God. Don't manage Him. Because if you manage Him, you'll be part of those 9,700 that had to go. Now, were they out of the game? No. They were actually involved in the next battle. But see, they weren't the tip of the spear. They weren't the beginning. Because God couldn't have them there. He he just couldn't. Because what he needed was sold out. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? See, and I see God moving here. I see him moving, and yet I see certain things go like this. As far as I see those who are hungry for God go after Him hard, I also see those who have been on the line and 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 dealing with complacency have gone the other way. I don't know if it's you or not, but you do. Only you can look at your own life and see where your priorities are. 
But I could tell you everyone in here has had opportunity. That's the one thing for sure. Everybody in here has had opportunity. Everyone in here has had choice. See, what he wants to do is something he's never done before. And the cost for that is great. The cost is everything we have to give. The cost is our full faith, which is the currency in heaven. Giving him our full faith. Stepping forward when it does not feel good to step forward because you're trying to hold the hands of others that you're pulling along. That's tough. You're a better example to them by stepping than you are by pulling. God is going to build his temple. He is going to prepare his bride. He has said it. He has confirmed it over and over in his word. And the invitation has been sent out to every single one here. For that matter, every single one in the bride. But it's up to you. It's up to you to see where the priority is in your life. It's up to you to decide what sold out is. Is that for you? Or is that just for the people that are going to Nigeria in October? Well, they have to be sold out, kind of, because they've kind of committed themselves to that. You know what? They committed themselves to that because they're sold out. What does God want from you? He doesn't want this questioning back and forth. Well, yeah, but, but, but God, if I do this, what about this? Or what about this? See, that's, that's a man who waves back and forth like the waves that are tossed. He says in James, those ones, those don't mean anything. Because they can't be set on what God is trying to do in their life. Sometimes it's fear. That keeps us from stepping. Fear, fear sometimes of ourselves, or sometimes fear because of what we think we'll lose. I remember at the beginning of all this, I didn't know what I would lose. I expected to lose everything, I expected to lose my family, I expected in some way that I would lose my wife. Thank God that wasn't true. But see, I was willing. I was willing to lose everything because he bought everything from me. I don't own any piece of myself. He does. 
He bought me with a price. And by giving my full self to him, he has filled me with him. See, that's better than, trust me, that's better than hanging out with me. It just is. So understand why he chose those 300. It was because there was something in their hearts that told them to focus on something outside of their physical need. Because that's what they were doing. They were watching to see what was going on to be aware outside of the physical need of them being thirsty. I encourage you, do the same. Be aware of what God is trying to show you. And you don't need me to tell you what that is. God will tell you. He, he, if you're here, he's already told you. He may need you to listen, but he's already told you. We've talked about this before, but this moving forward is only going to be for those who are sold out. It has to be. Because anyone else will be in danger for what we face, what we have faced, for what they will face. So the choice is now. Whom will you serve? The Bible says, for me and my house, what? I'll serve the Lord. But that's what he's asking you this morning. Are you going to be part of that remnant that is sold out no matter what, no matter the choices of anybody else outside of you? Because here's the problem. The time's already begun. In years, in, in the past years, it's, it's been working and working, and he's working on hearts, working on hearts. Things weren't set in motion like they are now. Now they're set in motion, and they're moving forward, period. That's why the line, I, I used to think that the line in the sand was already drawn for ignition. You know, that kind of happened in process with us, and I was wrong. The line in the sand is right now. Where will you stand in that line? Where will you stand? Lex, come up. When she's done, I want her to pray, and then I want to sing at least one song. Father, your will be done this morning. We just give you everything. Father, it is my desire not to lose a single person.
But Father, you know the ones that would be to their own detriment. So I ask that you move according to your will. We declare your will be done in Jesus' name. We've been talking about um, what this line means. And um, every time I face a test, I often struggle with the fact that God is purging another piece of me into... It's ultimately an answer to my prayer, but he's, he's purging out another piece of me so that I can be turned more into him, which is what we desire. And um, that title that he put on my heart a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, actually, it's going to be the creation weekend when everybody was gone on the message. And it was titled, What is Your One Thing? That One Thing. Um, people have been asked that who are given a desert island scenario, you know, that if you were knew you were going to be stranded on a desert island, what would be the one thing you'd need? Um, there have been different other series similar to that. Uh, that uh, was a show, Naked and Afraid, where you get to take a, you know, a tool or two pieces of something, and, and what would you choose? And, you know, I thought, wow, the spiritual lesson of that, what is that one thing? that we, we have to have, that we believe will help us to navigate through a time when we won't have the resources within our comfort zone to do it ourselves. And, man, for the believer, if it isn't Jesus, then we, we find out fairly quickly that it doesn't work out so well. We end up in a cycle of dysfunction. One of the songs that we've begun to sing, I just want you and nothing else. You can look at that phrase two different ways because it's either I just want you and nothing else or I just want you and nothing else will do because there's that will do at the end. And I hear that two different ways. Nothing else really will do when we just want Jesus. It's it's an interesting thing that sometimes you have to live a long time, and uh, I wish I'd learned, even at Avon's age, that really nothing else will do apart from Jesus. You can learn a lot of principles, and they never mean anything to your real life until we go through the testing that makes that come alive. And... Um, God has been sending many of us. I mean, if we told stories in this room right now, we've been going through different things that are tests. Some of them feel like trials. Others are just situations that we go through. But in every step, God tests us. Will we respond through him, through his eyes? Will we respond in him? Or are we just going to respond with what he's given us to function with in our humanity? And there's a big difference. And um, I noticed some of the verses about be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not, Galatians 6. But the interesting thing is, the reason we get weary is because we are weary doing 
the things, the well things that we're supposed to do. Sometimes we, we think we get weary because we're, we're doing certain things, but actually we become weary because we stop doing some things. And when we stop focusing on you and nothing else, we actually become really weary because we're in a fallen, dying realm where there's just nothing but death. From the moment we're born, we begin to die in terms of the humanity and lifespan and all that. And um, when we really see that the life, the true life that we have, is it's in him. He's, he's the one. He's the source. He's the way that we um, have life and have it more abundantly. And that's um, something that God's just been, been showing me that, you know, don't be deceived. God isn't going to be mocked. You really will live you really really will produce in your life what you feed on and um so it's kind of like we know it but god in in the desire of our heart especially in this group right here in this house right here god is actually answering our prayer the cry of our heart and saying i need you to be what you say you want to be through a series of testing and so now the opportunity is okay we, we can't play anymore you actually, it's, it's game time, in other words. You know how you can practice and practice and practice? You kind of find out if your practice was very profitable in your training time with how you, how you are in game time. Well, only God knows if we're ready. And so, so Greg was just saying, only you know what, what you're not putting first in terms of putting God first in your life. Only you and God know. But have you asked God to show you with complete abandon, if you asked him to show you, God, what is it that's a, a barrier? He will tell you. I quote those verses all the time in Psalm 139. David had to ask, God, search me. You know, the, the, the early part of that chapter is, God, you know everything about me. You made me. You know my downsitting, my uprising. You know my thoughts are far off. That whole chapter leads up to, okay, so God, you tell me then. See if there's any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Show me what's in me. Don't leave here with fear. Well, could I be though? Could I? Could it be me? I mean, is God going to leave me behind? That's not the result of today. The result of today needs to be God. I do want you. So if there's something between you and me, I beg you to show me what it is. And then when He does, you lay it before Him. So that's really, to me, it's a, it's a message of hope. It's a hard word, but it's also a message of hope because he's, he's clarifying the invitation. You can receive it or reject it or, you know how the Amazon cart, it'll say, uh, there's a category you can say save for later. That doesn't really exist right now. There's no save for later. There's nothing for you to highlight and play around with and dream about. You either put it in your cart and proceed to check out, or you, it's out, no longer able to be purchased. So it's, it's actually, let's turn this into an exciting thing. Yes. For God, you know, he's not going to leave you wondering. He's not, he's not a sadistic God that's going to toy with you that, hey, you're not really the one. And no matter what you do, you know, you're on one of the, one of the roads that's not going to lead to the true remnant. No, he really does give you a choice. He really does. Yeah. 
But he wants you to be really, really honest. If you need godly counsel to pray with you, have somebody pray with you. Allow people that you trust who are spirit-filled to speak into your blind spots, to speak into your life. When was the last time you trusted somebody that you believed was filled with the Spirit of God to speak into your life and to say, look, I'm seeking God with all my heart. Is there anything that the Lord is showing you? And then confirm it with the Lord. But I mean, really, really get serious about this. We have to be careful. Be careful that it's not human words. But what sold out looks like, again, it's not, you know, Brooke always says this, it's not a life of lack. It's not a life of lack. God came, okay, remember John 10, 10. Satan comes, but for two, I love the King James, because it says, the only reason I'm here, he's there, is to steal, kill, and destroy. But the latter part of that verse is, but Jesus came to give life and give it more abundantly. So the choice is actually pretty simple. The only hard part is within that flesh. And why we think that our comforts, our electronic devices, our relationships, our career path, our, I have to have a degree in this because if I don't, then I won't be following suit with what my family always thought, you know. And, and, and maybe the opposite is true, where the Lord has been saying you need to get some schooling and you've been resisting. You know, it's very custom for each of us. That's why we can't say what it is. It can't be spoken. It has to, you just have to know. What is your one thing? What is your go-to? When you have trials and tests in your life, when you have situations, where's your, your coping mechanism reside in? Like, do you, do you go to the Lord with your struggles, or do you binge-watch a series that you haven't seen in a few years so you can just veg out? Where's your, you know, when, when, we're, when our first reaction is not like King Hezekiah, which is, I'm in, a, I'm in a situation that I don't have the answers for. So he laid his plans out before the Lord. For the Lord to tell him which way to go. <clears throat> Some of us just, I just need to unplug. I just need to bed. I just need, God allows us times of rest. But not places of rest where the enemy can just fill our minds and feed us in with a bunch of stuff that's going to hurt us. <clears throat> and that's why the physical principles of our bodies teach us many spiritual lessons. You are what you eat. You are what you consume. That's a spiritual lesson. What are you consuming? What's your indulgence? If we're not indulging in the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that's the best fulfillment we'll ever have. The best thing you can ever get in your belly is what he gives. Mm-hmm. And um, the satisfaction. You know, the world's, the world's mantra is, I can't get no satisfaction. That is not the believer's mantra. I am only and always satisfied. Psalm 34, 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed be the man. Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. So it's really simple. If you're leaving here with fear and an angst, take it before the Lord. There's no fear and no angst in it. It's just a choice. If there's fear and angst, that has to do with an unwillingness. Because guess what? When you come unto the Lord, he will receive you. He stands at the door and knocks waiting for you to open so he can come in and sup with you. He's not knocking on your door and running so that when you open it, he's not there. So any fear, any anxiety of whether you're the tip of the spear or not is not of God. It may be a constraining of his love saying, I'm getting your attention, but when you seek me, you will find me. That's a great.
great thing. Father God, I thank you. I praise you, God. I love you, Lord. God, in my own life, man, you just have been revealing so much to me that I need to keep doing, change my thinking on, receive your love more. God, I thank you. I thank you for those ways you discipline because your discipline only builds up. It never tears down because there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. I thank you. Thank you for that, God. So I just pray for every heart, God, that may be heavy, God. You will give us rest. The rest that is in you when we give you our burdens. We give you everything that is prioritized ahead of you. We know that if it's prioritized ahead of you, it is a burden. So let it be placed at your feet. Because your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. And it's rest is what we get in return for putting you first. Thank you, God. I thank you for that beautiful promise. Help us, Lord, to just... Lord, it's just time. It's so scary sometimes, but it's just time to fall off that cliff. I am the Lord your God. Jesus is my son and I sent him to die. To pay for your sin. And he rose again the third day. And sits at my right hand. I love you with an everlasting love. My mercy is everlasting and my truth is enduring to all generations as my word says. It's time. It's time. It's time to let go. To let go and fall into my arms of provision. 
find my perfect path of direction by my spirit. It's time to fall into my arms of love but to walk in my power because my love is power. Do not delay. Do not delay in this decision. The enemy is prowling. He has a plan to come against you. I have allowed his prowling. But I will never leave you or forsake you. Everybody bow your heads.